Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 37 of the Corona Diaries. And um, Steve Ace looks like he's actually using his coffee as mouthwash. What was going on there? I'm just trying to maximise the caffeine into my fillings. All right, excellent. Is that the fastest way to get it into your system? (laughs) Suck it through the gap in your teeth? Rub it in your gums. Yes, I've heard it said. Yes, yes. Not that you've any experience of that at all. No, but I've hung around with some very dodgy people over there. I, I, I bet you have. I bet you have. Let's not mention any names. Professionally. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, let's not mention any names at all, because that'll get us into trouble. Yes. How are you this morning? I'm f- I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just a bit, you know, I don't know, a bit, a bit sleepy, a bit drowsy, yeah. but coming up slowly. Excellent. Excellent. And and you were just saying that you got the lockdown news secondhand, didn't you? Because we're in lockdown again, national lockdown again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of heard, I felt it coming in my sort of Hogstradamacy sort of way. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, you didn't need a crystal ball really, did you? Um, And um, I just don't bother with, Boris just makes me, slightly angry now whenever I set eyes on him mm. because I've turned him in my mind into a sort of a shaggy-haired daft puppet and okay. and so I'm always looking for the strings that are working him now and I spend more time looking for them than I do listening to what he's got to say. Um, so he's turned into sort of circus circus performer for me, which which arguably is is what he's been all along, um, and and so I don't bother tuning in, but I do find second hand from Lynetta. I say, what's going on? And she says, oh, we're all locked down, and you can't. And I say, what? Well, what does that mean? And she tells me, and I and I glaze over, you know. She tells me, I glaze over. And I'm none the wiser at the end of it. And then I ask her again the following day, which just makes her cross. <laughs> now, and it's funny because we started off talking about glazing over as the first thing we were chatting about before we turned the mics on. <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm, I'm still attending the family quiz. In fact, I'm really enjoying the family <laughs> quiz. Um, I've, I've got a real affinity for the rest of your family. Don't <laughs> give, give a job about you, but I really like your family. No, I like um, my family too. Um, and <laughs> what I've started notice, and this happens every week, sometimes more than once a week, is that somebody will explain a question, what they're going to do in their in their batch of five questions, and and they finish explaining, and everybody, you know, and then they'll sort of write, "Are you ready to start?" And you'll go, "I'm really sorry, you're going to have to tell me that again because I literally tuned out for most of it." Mm. Yeah, and. 
And 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 it's becoming a thing. I'm starting to notice you just disappear for moments, minutes on end. Well, I've always been a bit like that. Um, and I think it's something to do with my imagination, something to do with my wordiness. And sometimes people will say something to me and a certain word in what they're saying um, sends me off on a little flight uh, and I vanish into that word and go skipping around in the forest with it for a bit. And then, and then I, I come back and realise I haven't heard anything they've said at all. Um, I've just got sort of, I've, I've taken that word for a drive <laughs> around my head. <laughs> I've thought of all the words that it takes me to. I've thought of all the times I've heard that word before and I've thought of all the really good rhymes for it <laughs> and where I could ram it in if I ever needed it in a song. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, of course, I come back and, and um, I've missed it all. And when I, I, I was like that at school and... I, and I never had the nerve, mainly because most of my teachers were psychopaths. Uh, I never had the nerve to put my hand up and say, uh, excuse me, sir, but would you say all that again? Because I, I wasn't really listening. And so rather than say that, I would live with that inner terror and the churning of the stomach as I realised that I had no idea what anybody was doing or why. And I was just going to have to bluff and pretend that I was doing it too. Um, so I did a lot of that at school and it was, it was terrifying. And then I got to the age of 30 and, and I, 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 I've, I've said to Niall actually that 30 was the age at which I really felt like I inhabited my own skin um, and became a solid sort of block of a person instead of a shell of a person with a lot of panic inside. Uh, I still do have a fair amount of panic inside, but but for the most part, I'm more solid. And 30 was that age. And, and I think it was probably around then that I decided that when I wasn't listening to someone, I would actually tap them on the shoulder and say, excuse me, but I haven't heard any of that. Would you say that all again? There's a love. And so it's become, you know, it's become how I am to some degree. When I first start, when we first met, not when we first met, but when I first started to meet you more regularly, I it, it I was convinced it was me, because it happened fairly regularly, yeah. and I would you know and but actually I'm quite pleased it's not. I mean, I mean, one respect I would have liked to have felt special, but actually you do pretty much do it with everybody pretty much. Yeah, yeah. What did you say? Exactly, you see, and that's the yeah. But you, the thing now it is, was, I can actually it was, see it. It was regularly can, that did it. I was, <laughs> it was. It was. Is that what, yeah, is that what I, you went skipping off with? I, did. <laughs> I went into keeping regular, and right. you know, uh, <laughs> diarrhea, constipation. Um, yeah, not a lot of words rhyming regularly. So, no. so there was a bit of a search. If I if I slipped euphonium in, how long would I lose you for? <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that said something about someone taking a dump in their tuba? Um, I haven't got a clue. Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's where euphonium takes me. Is it? Does it really? <laughs> De defecating in a brass instrument uh, and euphonics mixing desk as well. 
Yeah, I know euphonics mixing desks. Mm. That's a nice word, that, euphonics. It is, and euphonium's a lovely word as well. Yeah, yeah. Although it does sound strangely like, uh, um, you know, a form of medication that you'd take for diarrhoea. (laughs) He needs a good dose of euphonium, (laughs) I'll sort that out. The euphonium blocked him up. How have we got here? I was just saying I was relatively prepared for today, but nobody's going to be a good name that. for a mobile phone shop as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm just popping down to you phoneums, see if I get myself a new SIM card. <laughs> that sounds like something an older person would say. I'm going to get me going to get myself one of those euphoniums. <laughs> oh, what a lovely time! <laughs> <laughs> that's become a thing, hasn't it? There, well, I'm now getting messages from people going, well, that, I really enjoyed that podcast. I had a lovely time. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's a little scary. It really is a little scary. So anyway, back to lockdown. Yes. Um, rock down, as the Japanese ooh, uh, call it, because they're very <laughs> into their heavy metal. <laughs> that was just bordering on... <laughs> Racist? I said, is it racist? So, no, what, it, uh, what would it be? <laughs> sorry, Mummy. Sorry, <laughs> uh, mummy Noguchi. What's Japanese for really sorry? I, found, I, I, did, I did... Don't say we're with Hori. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> oh, I did find out it was Japanese for sorry while I was in Japan because I obviously need that quite a lot. Uh, and I've forgotten it now. I'm really sorry. <laughs> and thank you for bringing my phone back. <laughs> yeah, that was the, the cab driver. Yeah, they'd get they'd get you through a Japanese tour, Very right? Nice. Anyway, so lockdown. What are the are the band carrying on? Because um, first lockdown, everything stopped, mm. didn't it? Everybody got a little bit. Um... Yeah, well, I would answer that question, would it? Might it, it might involve the cops coming around um, if I said oh. yes. But uh, we are allowed to work. Aren't well, you're we? allowed to work, and you can't you can't work at home, can you? Not in this the, instance, not. I mean, that's really open to debate. I mean, I could make music at home and we could all do it separately. But the the way we create what we create involves us all being in the room yep. normally. So we could work, but we'd have to work in another way, which um, over the years I think we've all realised that if, I mean, I nearly said what is special about us, but I don't mean that. I mean, whatever the reason is that people put their hands in their pocket and part with money to listen to what we do, mm-hmm. and I'm at a loss. Um, but whatever that reason is seems to happen as a product of the chemistry between us in a room rather than the the the... You know, it's the sum of the parts rather than the, yeah. than the individual parts in parallel. That's the only way I can put it. Or maybe it's a consequence of the um, the arguments and bad feeling that we generate when we're together that we don't have separately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm jo- I am joking. Who, we don't who, have a lot of arguments, to be honest. Who knows what brings about all those songs of conflict, death, and water? I, I can't. I can't begin to put my finger on it. Yes, you'd think I had to swim to the studio, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting in the boat, darling. I'm off off to work. It's getting in the trawler. There's a bit of a swell. 
<laughs> Swell's a good word. I'm going, I'm going deep sea fishing for another song. <laughs> oh, bring me back a Pollock. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, so you're carrying on. You're carrying on. Yeah, I was sorry. Yes, the short answer is that um, I believe we're carrying on, although nobody's spoken to Rothers um, yet. Because out of the five of us, he's the most nervous. Um, and now we've got this new, more virulent strain, he might turn around and go, well, I don't want to work now until I've had the jab. Mm. And we'd have to respect that. Mm. Um, of course, it's never made any better by the fact that Mark Kelly goes to Brazil um, <laughs> every, every time we take a day off. Um <laughs> One long haul flight to Sao Paulo and back, which uh, doesn't look good on paper, does it? No. Um, so he he was in Brazil over Christmas, and uh, I believe he got back on the first of January because, of course, he was moving house on the second of January. Yes, of um, course. It that's page four hundred and three of Mark Kelly's little book of calm. <laughs> Go to Brazil and then move house when you land. I'm, I'm getting a little bit conscious that we seem to be <coughs> calling Mark out for a little bit of unfair yeah, or probably justified yeah. criticism, but his name does come up quite a lot. Okay. I'll, I'll make a mental note to myself uh, to, to slag the other members of the band yeah, off more yes, often. Yes. yes, we need to be more consistent. <laughs> we've, we've not had a go at Ian, not had a go at Ian for ages. I can't have a go at Ian. He's my sole lifeline in times of crisis. <laughs> if I piss him off, I've had it. Yeah. He's the he's the one that's got your back. He's in your corner. Yes, and God alone knows why, but he always has been blessing. All right, so we can't have a go. At, we can't have a go at Ian then, right? So not in public. Right. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Back to the script. Oh yes. Good morning. Um, good morning. <laughs> lovely, to, lovely to see you. Uh, um, if you've zoned out the last 15 minutes, that's fine. <laughs> yes. It's not a, it's if you've not gone a problem. Skipping in the woods with one of the words. Yes. Yes. Uh, you haven't missed much. No. No. If constipation took you off <laughs> on a little journey, then you, you're back now. Large tablespoon of euphonium. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. That's got to be the way you measure it. Um, right. So, um, Pete Witcher. Oh. Uh, and we've mentioned Pete a few times, and Pete regularly contributes and says hello and comes back with little bits of of, of pithy comment. But he suggested after we we did, I think it was number thirty, where we uh, I I stumbled across your heroes, villains, and predictions on the stevehogarth.com website. Oh yes, which all sounded a bit naive. Uh, well, just a little bit, just a little bit, where we were, where we were sort of fine with Hitler, but we had a problem with whoever. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Church, Church, we had a problem with Churchill, but Hitler was fine. Um, so uh, anyway, Pete suggested that maybe we revisit that, uh, and that maybe we could have another another bash at heroes, villains, and predictions. And I thought that was a great idea. So right. I, 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 you, you, well, you said I'd set you some homework, which I suppose I had really. Mm. Um, to come up with, um, you know, a, a, a bit of a, not a revision, we'd go five heroes, five villains, five predictions. Yes, uh, you just sent me away to fashion a spade that I could <laughs> dig a, another huge hole with, didn't you? Yeah. And, uh, and I've, I'm, I'm proud to say I've fashioned it. Excellent. And Excellent. I'm ready to plunge it into the earth. 
Though, though, I do think that you would have done it on your own without me making any form of suggestion whatsoever. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, you know, so what we've got for you because it's the new it's the new year episode. So we we I know it feels like we're a long way into twenty twenty one already, but it's only what it's only the fifth, isn't it? It's only the fifth today. Tis the fifth so, of Jan, so tis fifth, at time of recording. At time of recording. So so we thought we'd do that kind of new year episode. So we could have done resolutions, but. I don't know. Neither of us going to stop I drinking, are we? The, the only one I've ever done was to stop slagging other members of the band off. <laughs> okay. And I, and I told Mosley about that. He thought for a minute and then said, life wouldn't be worth living. <laughs> and that was the end of that. Right. <laughs> 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 so, and, and, and if you've listened to the first 16 minutes of the conversation, you know that we'd failed on that one anyway. <laughs> Um, I wasn't you, slagging. I was, I was just presenting facts. Yes. Yeah, no, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting you were slagging. I was just, you know. Um, so where well, we have completely lost track now. So we, we resolutions ain't going to work. So we, it's no point going resolutions. So heroes, no. villains, and 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 predictions. Uh, a revisit of that. So I'm going to throw it. Throw it. Do where do you want to start? Do you want to start with heroes, or do you want to do villains first? I don't mind. I think Let's, you should steer this trawler. Right. In which case, let, we, well, last time we did heroes first, so let's do heroes. So, and I guess this is going to be in more recent times because when we when we did it last time, that was quite you've written that in somewhat in the past. Right. So now it's like this is bang up to date, bang up to date. Steve H has five heroes, five people at the moment, five villains. I've got a sneaking suspicion Boris might be one of them. Don't know why I'm thinking that. Well, no, no, these are my villains, uh, not yours, Anthony. Right, okay, and five predictions. Yeah. So let's kick off with heroes. <laughs> I'm going to click on, I'm going to go, because I've got the website open, I'm going to try and remember where it was that your other bits were, just in case we might need to refer back. Oh, but let's Lord. let's let's hit it hard with your, your, your heroes. Right, five heroes. my five heroes are... And bearing in mind that I'm adult and there's probably others that I can't think of in, on, in the white heat at the moment. But I'm going to go with Greta Thunberg. I'm going to go with Greta Thunberg, David Attenborough, Jane right. Fonda, Eddie Van Halen and David Cornwell, a.k.a. John le Carre. Right. I, do you know what? I'm slightly disappointed because I don't think there's much in that list I can really pick at because I think you've done an excellent job there because you can't have a go at Greta, can you? Well, you can. People do. But, um, I, you know, I think she's just leading with her her, her heart and she's, been, she's very bright, obviously. I mean, she speaks um, amazingly well for a girl of her years and also she looks a lot younger than she is so she really does look like some kind of wonder kid which mm. she is but even more so because she looks about five years younger than she is but yeah, she's um, just turned 18 hasn't she yeah and she looks 12 doesn't yeah. she yeah. so i mean when she does stand up on the box and open her mouth you do think my god that kid's a bit bright um which she is but she's leading with her heart and she's now being sort of sucked into and thrust into this, uh, you know, the media storm and, and she's become very, very famous. And uh, my heart goes out to her in that respect because she will be eaten alive at some point. 
So best of luck, Greta, but you're doing the right thing. And, uh, I, you know, I admire her as much for her courage and for the that kind of fame road that she's now on uh, that is never easy or pleasant. And I admire her as much for that as I do for the message, which is, you know, uh, to be admired. And, and, and the more that message can be spread, the better. Mm. Uh, we are... We are in the middle of the greatest crisis ever to face man, and that's not COVID. It's no. what we're doing to the planet, and we've got to do something about it or or, or ultimately perish. And I think COVID-19 is a little harbinger of what, what the planet might throw at us. I don't think it's even got started yet. Yeah. Um, and I think we deserve it. We've got it coming. We're a plague on the earth, and, we're, and it will shrug us off if we don't sort ourselves out a bit. Um, and, y you know, selling your Range Rover is a small price to pay, I think. Mm. Um, so that's Greta. Yeah, I absolutely agree with absolutely agree with Greta. I think that's a brilliant S choice. Similar uh -huh. to that. And, bro, you know, I mean, the guy's, the guy, the guy's just, you know, he's got the glow of a hero anyway. He mm. just is a hero. Um, everything about him, really, and and same exactly same thing. I'm sure I'm sure Greta's been more than a little influenced by um, pro TV programs and, and and movies he's made over the years, um, because he has so eloquently catalogued what's what's going wrong with the planet. And if you can't if you can't get worked up about that. There really is something wrong with you because you can't live on the bloody moon. No. No. Well, you can't some... get there for a kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do know, I did know a man who did, but you know, there aren't too many. You don't bump into them in the pub. No. <laughs> well, I do, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> most people don't. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You can't live on the moon. Well, I, well, I did know somebody who went to the moon, but you don't bump into... Well, I did, but it's... It's not common. No, it's not. No, it's not. We'll, ag we'll agree your life's not normal and move on from there. You can't go to the pub to bump into bloody anyone now. No, no. Moon, moon or not. No. Yeah. I think what's really interesting in what you just said there was that actually COVID has given us a little bit of a taste. And let's face it, we're not very good when things don't go right. So, you know, when we short a few bits of loo roll and, you know, and possibly a bag of pasta, I mean, the world literally virtually, you know, grinds to a halt. I mean, it ground mm. to the halt the other day when there was an inch and a half of snow. Mm. Um, you know, That's England. And, 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 yet, and yet, like you say, that's, that's it's not even a, a scratch on the surface of what it'll be. Um, oh. But um, no, no. I, what would you, I, thinking back, trying to think what your third one was. So we had Greta and we had David. We had Jane Fonda third. That was the one that I, I was a little bit unsure about. Well, it's because of the workout. I do, you know, I I do the workout every morning in my pink leotard, uh, and uh, and and my leg warmers. Um, no, it's because it's because are I, all I'm... your leotards in pastel <laughs> shades? <laughs> yes. What use is a leotard otherwise? Pastel shade, dusky pink, you know, 
up for those kind of quiet mornings and then a really loud pink when you want to get yourself going. <laughs> um, but no, I, I put Jane in there because um, she's been in Washington, you know, standing on the steps of the White House waving placards. Um, and, and she, you know, she's still an activist and she's something like 82. Mm. Um, and she's obviously, you know, a very successful movie star is probably probably lives in a big house worth zillions of dollars and yet she will she will still get off her ass go to washington and and wave a placard all day and and pick up a loud hailer and throw throw shit shit at the government and i love that about her Mm. um because a lot of people again when they can sit in pubs and moan about how things are never do anything about it and I really like the people who do something about it. Um, and that's partly fueled by guilt because I sometimes think I don't do enough myself. But as a songwriter, it sometimes comes out and, you know, I broadcast it that way. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't there in London holding a placard and marching against the Iraq war and I should have been because I felt so passionately against it. Not that it made any difference. Um... But um, but I I I feel I I could probably do more. So I admire, I admire Jane massively for for being a you know probably quite a frail old lady now, bless her, and still having that fire in her belly and still still getting mm. out there. Good call, good call. So you had uh, and I'm trying to think what the fourth one was. John Lacary was the last one. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen. What I loved about Eddie was that he was the the consummate uh, master of his instrument and his craft, and yet he played with a twinkle in his eye and a grin on his face as if to say, this is actually very easy and I'm just having a laugh. Mm-hmm. And I loved that, that aspect of his persona because he, he combined his, his ability, his musicality, uh, his dexterity with this, hey, this isn't even hard. Don't mm. take, the, you know, don't get too worked up about this piece of cake, um, which of course made it all the more amazing. Mm. And the only other um, guitarist I've really come across who plays with that sense of of um impish joy is um adrian bellew yeah adrian bellew is again just this incredible technician um that if you blink you'd miss it because he's just having a laugh the whole Mm. time he's up there and you think how can anybody be that good and and not and it not seem in any way difficult you know and 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 to be to be up there laughing at it that is is beautiful. Mm. Um, not to say that I've got a problem with guitarists who who take what they're doing very seriously because there's some seriously good guitarists who do. But I particularly loved Eddie mm. for almost inventing a genre, you know, with all of that. I mean, I'm not a guitarist myself. Um, Although I do wander about with one round my neck occasionally, um, but he, all of that, 
string neck tapping thing. Um, he kind of invented that, didn't he? And, yeah, and the, yeah. having invented it, could play those really fast arpeggios the way the way a harpsichord player might have mm. played Bach. He could do that with an electric guitar, which sort of defined his style. But I, lo- I, I love the fact that he just did it laughing. Mm. Which he did, which he did. Um, I, I mean, and we've said this before, and I've said this before. I'd throw I'd throw Prince into there because I think Prince was the same. I think he could, you know, there was almost a it was blasé about what he did a little bit, but just so prodigiously yeah. talented. Just to you know, um, I think if Prince had died yesterday, I'd have put Prince, Prince in instead. In. Yeah, but Eddie was, you know, he's the most recently dead. Yeah, and therefore, sorry, I Prince, you've been dead too long. To, got onto me radar. <laughs> I think he deserves a nod from uh, progressive rock singer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'd go with that. And then John Le Carre. John Le Carre is, is, is your last hero. Yeah, when I heard he died, I just groaned, you know. I just oh no. That's just one less really decent, decent, enlightened, brilliant Englishman. Um. When I was young, I had this idea of England as being something special, of being a, it was naive, of course, but of being a place where, where really decent people did decent things and, and had exported decency, you know, around the world as a notion, um, you know, and was civilised and all of that. And I, and I kind of held that just quietly in my heart for you know, without making a fuss about it. It was just a, a quiet little inner thing, um, you know, that that was destroyed and burnt alive by Tony Blair when we invaded Iraq. Um, and he probably did me a favour because it was probably a naive notion all along, you know, and, and I think any form of patriotic, jingoistic... I'm proud of myself because I was born on this patch of soil. Um, you know, and I've got a flag that I can wave um, that we'll all wave until we cross this line on the earth and then we'll wave another one. Um, that's foolish and stupid and and doesn't really hold up to any scrutiny at all. Um, but nonetheless... Um, David Cornwell, a.k.a. John le Carre, and what he wrote in his books and especially what he said in his life, if you can find any interview footage of of him, um, was a really decent bloke and England is a poorer place without him. Mm. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. Uh, and you write about that. It's not about a flag and it's not about a place and it's not about imperialism and it's not about colonialism or any of that kind of thing it was just a way of behaving it was that there was a something about you know fairness and decency and that that you you kind of thought was a an english or a british trait and yeah which is probably not fair at all but it was but if you're going to be proud of something that's worth being proud of yes yeah uh yeah i would agree I would agree. Um, so yes, he is a. Um, I always felt the same way whenever I listened to Alec Guinness. He had that kind of vibe about him—just right. a decent human being. Yeah. You know, 
that uh, and obviously the two of them are intertwined but there we are right um villains then oh villains well i don't know why but i i stirred the cesspool of villainy around with my stick and one particular character kept floating to the top (laughs) (laughs) and that was philip green Um, oh yes and I find it hard to 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 come up with any redeeming features on his part um or his wife for that matter uh through through whom he's channeled a lot of his dodgy mm. money and his dodgy um, shares and ownership in order to to remain reasonably tax free um it's awful, and it, it you, you know the kind of practices that, that you know the, the buying companies asset stripping them, raiding the the pensions of the people who work for them, and then declaring them bankrupt and rolling over and sailing away on a super yacht to to the south of France. It, it should be illegal, and yes. the only reason it isn't illegal is because um, I think the guys who make the laws are probably got a finger in the pie um you know and they they need to leave a loophole for themselves um and in my darker moments i wonder if if that's not what brexit is all about um i'm convinced that's what it's all about yeah you yeah well i have no evidence but i I, you know when there's a bad smell in a room Mm. and you can't find out what's making it well that's you know that's the bad smell. I can smell it. I don't know where it's coming from, or what, or, or you know which cabinet it's it's died behind. But I can smell it. I can it, smell it in Brexit. It's normally got a lot to do with a cabinet. Uh, there's normally a cabinet involved. <laughs> well spotted. Um, but um, I. God, wasn't the, I clever? Mentioned. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Uh, at the end, at the end of the day, there's a lot of European law that protects people. There's a lot of European law that holds up standards that keeps workers safe, that keeps individuals safe. And you have to question people who want to unpick that and deregulate. Um, yep. You know, because it 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 ultimately means profit for somebody down the line, and that profit's not it's not for a group of people; it's for an individual. That's the smell I've got. I just I, don't have any evidence, but I can't see any other reason why they've done it. And and what distresses me as well, and I'm going to try and keep this brief because I know there'll be people listening who passionately disagree with that and voted Remain and, and for their own reasons. Um, but um, what really worries me, I suppose, is how few people in the media are interviewing these characters and asking them why hmm. they're all they're asking them how and what and when and this that and the other but nobody's going i'm sorry would you tell me why why you want to do this hmm. what is it why really though and if and if they turn back and go sovereignty we should make our laws in a blah blah you go yeah yeah Put that to one side. Why, really? Why have you torn this country apart mm. for this? 
because my suspicion is there's something in it for you guys and it's huge and we don't know what it is you know some of us can guess but why you know why have you done this to us what's in it for you because isn't that what it's about that's all yeah well well i'm not going to get started i no i don't want to start you off because you you'll be yeah <laughs> i'll lose half my membership <laughs> All I'm gonna, all I'm gonna say is we're we're sniffing the same air. That's yeah. all I'll say. We're yeah. sniffing the same. We, we we got the same bad smell. Right. I've, I haven't even got past Philip Green yet. No, no. Who's who's next then? Who are we working our way down or up from? Well, I I mean these aren't in order of 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 bastardness really. <laughs> they're they're the, they're just the ones that floated to the top when I stirred the pot. Is there a is there a twat scale? <laughs> I like the idea of this big fat, you know, audio, audio with these lumps in it, and you you stirring it round, and every now and again one one just floats to the top and goes back down again. So the second one to float to the top, as I stirred, your, was your next floater. It was H R H Prince Andrew. Actually. Ah, um, uh, yes. I don't want to say too much more about him no, because no. there's there's nothing to be said that hasn't been said. Um, I just hope that instead of discreetly keeping him out of the media and hoping the public will forget and, and doing whatever little deals need doing behind the scenes to keep him out of court, I, I hope I hope that doesn't happen, and I hope that at some point he's brought to justice for exactly mm. what he has and hasn't done mm. um again I, I don't know you know but there's just another bad smell coming from behind another cupboard <laughs> I, I think i think the thing there for me is i don't want him to be held to a higher standard i just want him to be held to the standard please yeah, absolutely. So, so if 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 there's anything there that suggests that because he's royal, he should be treated differently, i.e., he should have to behave over and above, then I don't agree with that. I just want him held to the same standard as everybody else. Hmm. Which means if that if he's if he's done stuff wrong and he's done stuff that's illegal, he should face the consequences. End of. Yeah, I suspect that he has done something wrong. Yes. Because everybody knows that he lied in that interview, and why yeah. would he if he'd got nothing to lie about? Um, it don't look good on paper, does it? No. Uh, no. And I still wonder if Jelaine um, Maxwell will ever breathe to see the see her day in court and open her mouth. Mm. Um, um, because I I kind of knew that. Um, what was his name? Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. Mm. Was he Jeffrey Epstein? He, I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, I yeah. kind, of, you know, as soon as he got arrested, my, my, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one. My first words to Lynetta was, "Well, well, that sod's never going to get to court. Yeah, he's never going to live to stand up in court and open his mouth because yeah. he's got too much on Trump and Clinton and HRH and God knows who else." What on earth does that guy know that if his back's to the wall and they're going to take him down, he, he might just think, well, I might as well just trot all this out 
for shits and giggles. Mm. You know, drain the swamp, to quote mm. Donald. Um, so, yeah, I was I was not at all surprised when he was, quote, found dead, found, unquote, yeah. in his cell. Any yes. more than, I, you know, that it was that surprising when Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Same country, same situation, yeah. same shit at stake. Yeah. Um, anyway, good luck, uh, Ms. Maxwell. Um, um, next on my list is, um, and I just can't help it, and he, this is not a villain on the same level. In fact, I'm, I should leave him to the end, really, because it, it's, it's unfair to have him come into the top ahead of Donald Trump. So let's have Donald Trump next. Um, and I, I don't, again, I don't know what's worth saying about him. Nothing. There's Donald. He might believe the shit that he spreads. Uh, but I think what's more dangerous is the six, seven, eight behind him who don't believe it but realise how powerful it is. Well, I think he's a bit like Boris, really, in the sense that I don't think he does believe the shit. I think it's all a game. It's all a game. I mean, when you watch Boris sometimes being interviewed, he's 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 almost biting his lip apart, mm. trying not to laugh. Mm. I have you seen that? Have you seen how he smirks oh, he, when somebody really takes him on? He starts to. He almost breaks a smile. You know, he's suppressing a grin the whole time because he loves the game. It's mm. a game. He's still in debating college at. Oxford or Eton or wherever he used to get up on a box and play debating. Um, it's a game, and 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 I think with Trump, it's a, it's a game as well. Although I think his his own personal ego. I mean, in a way, he's just he is more honest than our our lot because whatever they're up to, they're they're doing it under the counter. Yeah. With, with with Trump, you know, he, wear, he wears it like a badge. Yeah. You know, this is all about me. It's all about my own ambition. It's all about making myself much richer than when I started. You know, it's it's me, 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 me. Mm. It is all about me. Um, and so at least he's telling it like it is, it, it, mm. however unpalatable. Mm. So there so that, we are, oh, the, that's the, Donald. Case, the case for Donald Trump. The case yeah. for Donald Trump. He was number um, three. Um, he was three. I don't want to say anything about number four. I'm just going to roll him out there. Okay. Oh, I won't be able to resist one thing. But apart from one thing I'd like to say about him, here's his name, Nigel Farage. And what I'd like to say about him is that he he still collects a substantial pension from having been a member of, of the European Parliament. He's taking the money. He's taking quite a bit of money. I dare say he's had an awful lot of money and an awful lot of expenses out of Europe. And yet he's spearheaded this nation's departure from it. Mm. And I think the very, very... Very another twenty-seven varies. Least he could do would be to renounce that pension and stop claiming it and give all the money back that he's made out of good old Europe, which he hates so much. Apparently, mm. um, that's all I've got to say about him. Um, 
And last of all, because I just can't help it, and I don't want to say much about him either, mm. Simon Cowell. <laughs> it had to be Simon or Piers. It had to be one of the two. <laughs> well, Piers has never upset me. Well, neither has Simon, really. Uh, is it the trousers? Is it the fact that he can't wear his trousers in the normal place? It's everything he is. Yeah. It's just everything he is, everything he's, in inverted commas, created. Um. You know, and and it's it's probably just a gut reaction as well. Just don't like him. No. You know, I'll probably meet him one day and decide he's great. <laughs> but I've never met him, so this is one hundred percent prejudice on my part. And mm. uh, you know, and what I've seen on on TV, so it must be true. Five men as well. Yeah, that's probably um, that's probably. Part of my, um, you know, romantic notion of, the, of 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 women being, you know, somehow elevated, elevated morally in my mind. I've got two words Mar- for that. I'll, 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 Margaret just, Thatcher, Pretty Patel. No? Actually, I was going to throw <laughs> Pretty Patel in. <laughs> Winnie Mandela, um, <laughs> Chairman Mao's missus. Uh, yeah, there's been there's been a handful of of, uh, of dodgy girls. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny, isn't it? I didn't put any women in, but I, I, I don't think. Know, I'm not I, saying there aren't any bad women. It's just oh. that the bad the bad the bad men tend to outshine them <laughs> <Yes>. somewhat. <laughs> so so when Pretty was bad, she was very very bad. But when Donald was bad, he was awful. Yeah, 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 no, right. no comparison. Right, we'll go with that then. So we're now on to predictions, but shall we do predictions after diary? Because we've already been banging on for forty minutes. Yes, if you like. Sh- shall we do a yes. bit of diary and then and then get to predictions? Yes. Where am I going now with the diary? Well, you see, I haven't got a clue because because yeah. <laughs> I haven't looked at it yet. Well, we'll 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 look at it while I'm reading it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a surprise <laughs> for you. <laughs> Yes, and we yes. won't discuss it afterwards. No, no. Because no. even if it's interesting, we're, we're, we'll do we'll talk about something else. We'll do predictions instead. All right. I'll see you in a few minutes. Okay. Monday, 21st of March, Hamburg, day off. Got up, went to McDonald's, then checked out. It took around four hours to get to Hamburg and was late afternoon when we arrived. The minibus developed a fault with the automatic gearbox as we entered the city. When we went round to the rear doors to unload the luggage, the back of the vehicle was coated with black dripping oil. Oh dear. Another headache for Nick Belshaw, our tour manager. We checked into the Hotel Hafen, a hotel with a maritime character overlooking the docks. I have an affinity to all things nautical, which I think has its roots in the stories my father used to tell me when I was a child. I could see the docks from my hotel room window. It's still a thriving port, and you can't help but feel a sadness when you compare the bustle of ships, barges and tugs here to the emptiness of the Mersey and the Thames. 
It was raining outside, so I decided against a walk. Had a couple of beers in the bar with the crew, who were enjoying the day off, before getting ready to go to dinner at Hamburg's oldest Thai restaurant. About five years old, by the look of it. We were treated to displays of traditional dancing while waiting interminably for the food to arrive. When it eventually did, it was excellent. I was having an evening off the sauce, so I drank tea and virgin cocktails. Arrived back around one and went to bed. Tuesday, 22nd of March. Hamburg Docks, 1. Got up and had coffee in the hotel restaurant. I wish I hadn't, it was awful. Today is Emma R. Cook's birthday, so I thought I'd take a walk down the Raperbahn and see if I could find a flower shop. The first thing I stumbled upon was the venue, so I went inside for a snack and catering and to see how the show was progressing. Mark was already on stage programming keyboards, a daily routine of identifying and rectifying the previous show's little surprises. I set out into the street and immediately bumped into Isabel, a native of Hamburg and one of about four people who still remember me from the old Europeans days. She said there wasn't a flower shop anywhere on the Raperbahn. They sell mostly sex here, with a sprinkling of kebabs, hi-fi, knives and guns. It's like Blackpool in the time of Mad Max. And that I would have to take the metro. She offered to come with me and I gratefully accepted. We eventually found a good florist and returned clutching a handsome bouquet. I promised for the third time to put Isabel on the guest list and she went off home while I returned to the venue for soundcheck. Wished the cook a very happy birthday and promised to buy her a drink later. This was a promise I was to break. Soundcheck lasted for hours while Mark, Pete and I went through the whole show debugging keyboards. It was a late show at 9.30, so there was still time to return to the hotel for an hour. The first Hamburg show was to turn out to be my first really bad gig of the tour. P.S. and arguably the worst gig of my life to date in 2014. And I can add now in 2021, it's arguably still the worst gig of my life. The audience contained an unusually high element of hecklers who made noise during all the quiet moments. Also, the first wide boys to shout fish during this tour. Normally I can handle that stuff, but for whatever reason it all started to rattle me. I hit myself in the teeth with the mic during the mugging in Hard As Love and I could feel that something was damaged. Later in the show my voice suddenly quit and I lost quite a lot of the high end of my range. That did it. My spirit was broken and I started to feel hostile towards the whole crowd. This is unforgivable. It's also stupid because in doing so I damage my own reputation and that of the band. I cheat the audience and I waste a day of the crew's hard work. I knew all this, of course, but sometimes and in certain situations you just can't get beyond your own emotions. Shame and anger. Not very smart. After the show, I went straight back to the hotel, depressed and exhausted. In tears, I chatted to Dizzy on the phone. It seems I run to her when I'm feeling sorry for myself. She said all the right things and I went to sleep feeling a little bit better. 
determined to make amends the following night. Wednesday, 23rd of March, Hamburg Docks, 2. Woke around 11, showered and went downstairs for coffee. Tried in vain to get hold of Nick, who was out and about trying to buy a pineapple and get the minibus fixed. Walked down the steps to the waterfront buildings and perused the nautical shop. It was full of maritime paraphernalia, figureheads, compasses, captain's plates, lights, brassware, all replica stuff. I was hoping to find a history of the port in English to take home for my dad, but there wasn't anything suitable. Settled for a couple of postcards and walked through an arch to the waterside. It was a chilly grey day and I didn't last long in just a jacket. I had left my coat in England. So I jumped aboard one of those floating cafes, ordered hot chocolate and breakfast and wrote my postcards. Shortly before my food arrived, a man asked me for 15 marks and told me the boat was about to leave. I didn't realise that it actually sailed somewhere, so I picked up my things, cancelled my order and jumped ship. Phew. Bought souvenir pens at another dockside shop and contemplated a sailor suit for Little Nile. Decided against it, as I don't know his size, and returned to the Hafen. Nick had acquired pineapple, honey and a large bowl, so we went to my room to prepare the potion. Perhaps I should explain. Having lost my voice last night, monitor engineer Jeff Hooper advised me to eat fresh pineapple soaked in honey, something he had observed while working with Sting, who tends to experience vocal problems on tour. Apparently, Stingo swears by the remedy. I was willing to try anything. Chomped through half a pineapple with all the usual misgivings as to how my lower intestines might be affected and decided I'd have the other half later. I tried to keep the singing to a minimum during the sound check, which passed without incident. The tambourine I threw at the audience last night had been handed back. You can never lose the things you try to get rid of, only the things you desperately need. After sound check, I was driven off in search of a sun studio on the Raperbahn by promoter's rep René, and we were pulled over by the traffic police for a random inspection, which passed without incident. He later told me he'd been driving without a licence for ten years and had passed his driving test five days ago. Tonight was his first ever brush with the law. Lucky bugger. After 20 minutes in the solarium, I returned on foot to the Hotel Hafen and only moments later there was a knock on my door. I opened it to find a black-haired German girl who said, You are Steve Hogarth. I am a big fan of you. Can I come in and talk? I told her no, she could not come in and talk as I was resting. So she asked me if I might put her name on the guest list. I had to admire her cheek, so I agreed. She went away, leaving me no choice but to change rooms. I didn't want to be visited in the small hours by all of her friends. Been there, done that. I was moved to a room with a bath. Luxury. So I had one, before climbing into bed for the pre-gig snooze. The second Hamburg show was infinitely better. I went on stage with my attitude suitably adjusted, arriving a bit late due to there being no buttons on my stage shirt another victim of yesterday's tense state of mind. 
The crowd was great by comparison to last night, but Hamburg's not exactly a Marillion stronghold. The potion seemed to have helped. My voice held up unbelievably well. Cheers, Mr Sumner and Mr Hooper. After the show, I signed a few things at the stage door. Two of the kids had come all the way from Liverpool and went back for a quick drink in the Tower Bar, which was only a short stagger from my new room. Unfortunately, an even shorter stagger away was the Hotel Extension building site, which commenced at 5 past 7 a.m. the following morning. Nice. By the way, regarding people showing up in your hotel room, you can't be too careful. At some point in 1989, we'd been on tour somewhere in Canada and were playing in a club with no dressing rooms, so I hadn't changed my jeans to go on stage. At some point during the show, I decided to hang upside down from the lighting truss over the audience. During this, my hotel room key fell out of the pocket into a sea of grasping hands. Unfortunately, the key had the name of the hotel and the room number on it. When I got back, I had to ask for another key at reception to access my room. Went to bed, forgot all about it, and was woken from a deep sleep around 3am by the light in my room, which was now on. At the foot of my bed stood half a dozen Canadian men who had been watching me sleeping. Startled and scared shitless, I screamed abuse at them and they loped out of my room like zombies. They were all pissed or stoned, and it had probably taken this long to pluck up the courage to go and enter the hotel room of the key they had so proudly stolen. Even more strangely, they then let themselves back into my room later, a further two times during the night. It's a good job I didn't have a gun. Thursday, 24th of March. Groaning and Evan Mentenhall. Checked out of the Hafen and sent my best regards to the builders. It took about five hours to drive to Groningen in the north of the Netherlands, during which I lost at chess with Ian. I lulled him into a sense of security early on by giving my queen away. An old ploy, which has never worked in the past either. The hotel was next door to the venue, so I had a wander round there before checking into the Mercure, which was basic but pleasant. Personally, I don't much mind what level of luxury a hotel boasts, as long as the staff are friendly and helpful. The sound check passed without incident. Jeff and I tweaked the vocal sound, and it's improving all the time. Hit the hotel solarium and snoozed for 20 minutes. The show was sold out. It all went well. The crowd were a little cooler than usual, although I have to remember that we are playing new areas of the Netherlands, and hopefully reaching a few new people. Friday, 25th of March, Amsterdam, day off. Left the Hotel Mercury at 12 and drove to Amsterdam, checked into the American Hotel for what must be the fourth or fifth time in as many months, and showered up before meeting up with the record company for dinner. Japanese. Got back around midnight and went to bed. And we're back. 
And on that topic, I must say, I must shout out something. I must shout out to Anna, Anna uh, Backman, I think, um, because her um, her bauble arrived. Mm. Um, and, and I'll show you her bauble. Hang on a second. Um, and, it, and it's handcrafted, and it's and it's a it's a purple hand, um, and it's it's a ceramic thing, and it says TCD uh, Christmas 2020 on one side, and it says on the other side it says and we're back. So Very thanks good. for that, thanks for that, Anna. So it's arrived, it's here, it's safe. Uh, H has now seen it, uh, and I will get it to him at the earliest opportunity, along with Adele Amy's baubles. I'll glue it to me ceiling. Yes. Stick it next to your rug. <laughs> um, which actually reminds me of something else. There's a, the picture on the guest book. Um, there's a picture of you on the guest book. Right. Um, and I'm sure the rug's on the floor. That is true, yes. Um, Jill Fermanovsky took that picture. Um, and she rented an empty house in Surbiton. And uh, we all went there. It was a part of a band shot. Uh, the, the five of us went there and... The lovely Jill took quite a lot of uh, pictures of us, and she said, uh, "When you, you know, bring something with you from home that that you know is means something to you, that is part of who you feel you are." And so I brought I brought the rug, I rolled the rug up, took it out the cupboard because in those days it never got out the cupboard, um, and uh, and sat on it. And I, I there's also and I don't know if you can see it in the shop, but there's also a little ceramic flying Scotsman there because oh, my, I'm gonna have to look now. Well, my dad worked on the flying Scotsman. He helped build build it and then maintain it when when he was at the plant works in Donny. Um, so I took that. I can't remember what else is on there. If 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 you look at that picture, um, there's a few little objects just dotted about, and they're all like significant to my life. Mm. And this rug is what I'm sat on. Yeah. And, and the rug is what you're sat on. There it is. There it is. <laughs> you know, in 10 years' time, it'll be like, oh, it's that bloody rug again. Will he stop banging on about that rug? No, I'm going to get it valued and discover that it's worth 15 quid. <laughs> Somebody came back and suggested that your um, that first edition of Christmas Carol was actually worth quite a lot. Yes. Well, I, I I did contact Sophie, he said. I mean, she is my daughter. I said that as though she was on Mars, didn't I? Um, but but you do kind of feel like everybody's on Mars at the moment. But but I I did drop her a line and, and say, um, you know, next time we get together, can you dig that copy of... Um, Christmas Carol out that I gave you for Christmas. And she went, oh, yes, I will. And she hasn't mentioned it since. And I'm absolutely terrified that she's lost it <laughs> or given it away to one of her mates while she was pissed and doesn't know how to tell me. Um, so I don't know if that's the case or whether she just forgot all about it because she's got a, you know, 18-month-old baby and she can't think of anything. Um, but... Uh, I'm in a book club in the village. In the village. <laughs> and um, there's a bloke in the book club called John Walwyn Jones. He was quite a character. Um, and um, he is like something of the Antiques Roadshow. And very posh um, and quite Oscar Wilde-ish. Um, oh. When I first met him, I thought, oh, I don't know about him, but I, I've decided I really like him. And... Um, he used to work, he's retired now, but he used to work at Bonham's Auctioneer 
auctioneers, wow. and his speciality was uh, books, was wow. uh, antique books. And he would be able to tell me probably to, to the penny what, what it's would, worth. What it's worth if he if he if I gave it him and he saw it and he and he held it and flicked through it and had a look, he would know. Um, and of course, I didn't know John back then when I when I was originally given given the book by the, the this the Danish the Danish girl who suddenly started sending me things. Um, it wasn't Lynetta. No. <laughs> Although she does cook me tea. Oh, uh, but the, but this, this yeah this one started sending me all kinds of strange things. I'd start sending them back, but I didn't send the. Uh, didn't send the book back. <laughs> <laughs> you can have anything back that doesn't form part of a pension. <laughs> Again, you know, it's probably not worth anything, but it'd be, be worth finding out. Oh, well, it's worth something to me. Because it's a, you know, it's, it's a, and yourself too, I'm sure, because you... It's your favourite story ever. It is. It is my favourite story ever. Yes. Uh, yes. It, it is. Uh, there was a very good program on BBC that Griff Rhys Jones did about Christmas Carol and the origins of Christmas and everything that came out of the book that effectively became part of the Christmas traditions, which was very good. And they 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 did talk about first editions in that, and the numbers were fairly staggering. Griff's lovely. He did a book signing in Brackley, which is the town sort of local to where I live. And uh, and I went and, and stood in the queue, and there was only about twelve people in the queue because Brackley's Aww. just one of those places, you know. You could, you know, you could set the Pope up on a chair in Brackley, and no nobody bother, um, you know. And the 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 Mercedes Formula One team is based in Brackley, and you know, I don't know. I th- again, I think you could sit. Lewis, Lewis Hamilton on a chair in the market square. <laughs> Nobody had even bother. <laughs> but anyway, there was about 12 people um, and in this book bookstore queuing up for him to sign his book. Um, and, you know, if that had been me, I'd have been sitting in this bookstore quietly thinking to myself, what on earth am I doing here? What a bloody waste of time. I'm going to sell 12 books. You know, and it's taken me two hours to get here. It, it's used up an entire day. Not Griff. I mean, he was just so lovely. He was sat, he was sat there. When I eventually got to the front of the queue, the first thing he said to me was, I'm really sorry you've been waiting so long. And I'd only been waiting five minutes. Um, and he was genuinely sorry that, that, that anybody had been inconvenienced. He was just such a lovely bloke. So mm. massive respect to Griff Reese jones I've only ever been to one book signing, um, and that was Neil Warnock, of all people. Now, who's he? Oh, football he's a manager. football manager. Yeah, I yeah, can see him now, yeah. Yeah, because I'm a Sheffield United supporter, and he's right. obviously from Sheffield. And, uh, and 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 I went and queued in Huddersfield, because he managed Huddersfield as well, and I queued in the WH Smiths in Huddersfield, and, and, and yeah, and he was ever so chatty when you got there. He was, I got he was, a feeling he was a nice bloke from just seeing him on the telly. Was he all right? He, yeah, I thought he was really... Well, I used to live down the road from a guy called Chris Morgan who used to be um, our, our captain and centre-half. And Chris was one of these really hard footballers. 
Proper old-fashioned English centre-half. Really, really rock-solid. Nicest man in the world when you chatted to him. You'd see him out having a walk with his dogs and his, you know, and his, and his, and his girls, his, his kids. Really soft as you like. But you looked at him and he had that thing that a lot of footballers have where he was, he was a lot younger than me and yet he looked like he was about 40 when he was 25 and he was mm. just solid. He was yeah. just this man-mountain of a bloke. Um, but I got talking to Neil about Chris and, uh, you know, and the stories that Neil was coming out with uh, and just just stood chatting. It was lovely, really, really nice. Yeah. Thought, thought it was yeah, really nice. Good to hear. You know, so that was... Uh, so, yes, so where did that come from, Griff? That came from uh, Griff's programme on Christmas Carol. Which came from Christmas Carol, which came from a book, which came from The Rug and then Flying Scotsman and God knows what else, didn't it? Which came from it, the picture on the guest book. Indeed. I'm just going That's backwards. Yes. Yeah. Well, people have said they like it when it's a bit unscripted and we just go off on one. Well, be careful what you wish for, folks. Give <laughs> me loads of this. <laughs> loads of this as dementia kicks in for the pair of us. Um, we're supposed oh, to be I doing the... a lovely time. What <laughs> a, a lovely time. <laughs> I heard something this morning on radio, on to the Today programme on Radio 4, and they've been, they've been speaking to a load of people about how they got through lockdown, and they spoke to this, this 92-year-old woman, and she, she had a special moment in every part of the day that was keeping her going, 5.30 every day. Uh, hang on, said, I've gone now. I'm, I'm skipping around the woods with the special moment at the moment. With, with I'll, the, I'll, be, yeah, with, I'll be back with, in it. I've just gone to Paris, but I'll yeah. be back in a minute. Right, I'm with, with you again, sorry. With, with Doris or whatever she was called. <laughs> And and she she said so at five thirty she'd say she'd lit this candle she'd light a candle so it's all in the it's the it's not just it's the experience it's the whole thing I'd light this candle then I'd then I'd chop the lemon and the lemon would go in the glass and then I would put two chunks of ice in there and she then got as far as and then a very large measure of gin yeah good girl I'm right uh, there hundred percent and then the sound as I opened the tonic. And that wonderful sound. <laughs> and, and that was it. That was just her moment. This 92-year-old was just saying, look, the only thing that's kept me going through lockdown, 5.30 every day, I'm on the sauce. Right. And I just thought that was really nice. I knew a bloke years ago, a Swedish bloke called Per Torreson, and he was, um, I think he was a diplomat, a Swedish diplomat in New York. And I was in New York City, and he said, if you're ever in New York, he said, look me up and I'll take you around the UN building. Uh, and I went, oh, that'd be lovely. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever told you this, have I? Yeah. And, and so um, I was in New York, and uh, he took me around the UN building, and, and I, was in that, I was in that big room where they all sit with the big Picasso, um, what is it, De, De Gaulle? Is it called? Mm. I'm, I'm not sure, but I know that I can see, I can see oh, the, the one that... The huge, that huge um, painting, or is it a tapestry? I think it's a painting. Um, and all the all the little desks with all the names of all the countries and all that. I've been, I've been in that room, and then uh, he said, I'll take you to another room, he said, which is where they actually do the business. He said, this is this is for show, this room. This is for the cameras. And, it, and then there was this other really small room like a almost like a recording studio with a with a table that would seat about eight people and he said this is where it's all actually done this is where the 
the deals are done and the, the negotiations for peace happen in this room. Uh, and I don't think anybody, you know, even knows that room's there. Or, or, you know, nine out of ten cats don't know anything about that room. And I've been in that as well. And he said to me, um, he took me up to the top floor and there's, um, I think it's the top floor, but it, it, it's, it's one of the higher floors. And there's a, there's a cocktail bar. And he said, at the end of the day, we all come up here and we have gin and tonics. And that was before I really drank G&Ts. And so quite often when I raise a G&T, I think, I think of all those people in the UN building, you know, at the, at the end of a hard day's negotiating or riding, riding off the gravy train that they do, um, celebrating with a G&T. Now... I've been kind of steering the conversation so we didn't talk about predictions. Because right. while, while you were doing... say your... gin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is quarter past 11. Um, are we still in sherry season? Can I still, can I still have a sherry? <laughs> of course um, you can. You're locked uh, down. You can have absinthe. <laughs> now, <right? laughs> absinthe. <laughs> I have absinthe with a, with, with a sherry chaser. <laughs> Absinthe makes the lockdown shorter. Oh, nice. I'm loving your work. I'm, I'm seeing what you're doing there. Um, I, I, I suddenly thought, do you know what? The predictions, we'll come back to the predictions next week because we took a long time to get through the heroes and villains. It'll take us a while to get through the predictions. Let's do the <laughs> predictions next week rather than, you know, squeeze them in post-diary. Okay, that'll give me another few days to think of them as well. Well, but I'm going to suggest that maybe you raise it to ten. <laughs> ten so, predictions. Ten predictions. Ten well, you predictions. Um, you drive a hard bargain. Don't I, you? Well, down yes. The, I think if we're going to make palmist, it an episode, you go uh, pop to a palmist do on Blackpool <laughs> Pier and go. Well, I, oh, <laughs> what is that all? I'm going to need another ten things. I'm afraid for my fibre. You're talking about you're talking about Cheryl from Fleetwood, aren't you? <laughs> Madame, Madame Rosa, I think she goes by. But um, she probably runs off when she sees you coming. <laughs> that's that's outrageous. I don't know what kind of reputation you've got to have for a I female want another in, five. in Blackpool to run off. I want another five. Don't you go telling me when I'm going to die and what I'm going <laughs> to do next. I want to know about all my kids as well. Well, what about me, Uncle Jack? <laughs> <laughs> I've given you five pound. <laughs> Have you noticed how the tighter people are? They tend they tend to use the word pound in the singular. That was twenty five pound. The desire to spend as little as possible. You never put the word pound in the plural, do you? In the singular. That was, was fifty pound. <laughs> I don't... I think we I think we've got one of those episodes that might not translate to our <laughs> no <laughs> to, to, to our more distant cousins. No. Um, Does anyone in America go that was thirty dollar? I don't know. I don't think no. That's a good no. point actually. It's a bit of a northern thing, isn't it? Twenty five book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it is a bit of a northern thing. It you can write thing. in write in with your own versions of that internationally. Send, send us a postcard. There's yen, isn't there? They never put they never put yens, do they? No, no, it's only yen or yeah. kroner. It's not kroners, is it? No, it's kroner. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's isn't that euro? What, no, you do say euros, don't you? you do say well, euros. we do, but I mean, we're English. 
The Irish don't. The Irish would say euro, 25 euro. They wouldn't would say they? euros. Yeah, the Irish would say euro. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right. We've, I we've think... We've got, we got any Irish, really, have we? If we've got any Irish listeners, send us a message. It's a good point, actually. We've not had much in from Ireland, have we? Not that I've noticed. No. I, I do love the Irish. Yes. I love everything oh, about yeah. Ireland. Fantastic. Right, are we gonna uh, are we gonna call it a day? Because we've got a we've got a QA to record for the purples. Okay, let's call it a day and record a QA. So predictions next week from five to ten. Um Well, we'll see how right. far we get. We'll start with your five and if we can I pad see it a bit. We'll pad a great flu like epidemic which will uh, spread around the world. Right, okay. What was that voice? <laughs> it was my soothsaying voice. Was it really? <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> I'm speaking in tongues now. <laughs> that guy who does the voiceover for all the big films must be absolutely shitting himself. <laughs> right. Um... Carlsberg, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that was Liam Neeson. <laughs> There we are, back to our, Irish. Our postman looks like Liam Neeson. He's an absolute ringer for him. Is he? Yeah, you open, you open, the, you open the door, you know, and you go, <gasps> holy Jesus Christ. Oh, no, it's the postie. Right. Don't kidnap his daughter. You'll be in all, all no. levels of hell. Uh, don't, don't, don't nick his badly addressed postcard. Is anyway. No. Anyway, we'll conquer. Right, so we've, we've, we're finished. We're done. Thank you, everybody. It's been, a, it's been lovely. For 37. Um, uh, I can see him from here, out the window. I'm just talking about him and there he is, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Delivering a small parcel. He is. <laughs> it's ticking, 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 ticking. Not a lot of new Purple members or members of any colour this week, folks. But then it has been Christmas. Apart from Colin Lee, thank you for coming to me. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>